All right, friends, I see that we have figured it out. When we transition from worship to the message, you are free to grab a chair. My one ask is that your chair is set up on the carpet. As long as one of the legs is touching the carpet, you're good. So if that means you need to scoot in or scoot in, I mean, there's plenty of room in this place, like no worries. And if you're like not a chair person for whatever reason, uh, couldn't be me. But if that's you, uh, you're free to not use a chair. That's totally cool. On your way in, you got a launch kit, right? That next student's backpack, here's the dealio. Uh, all of those look identical. So uh, it could be a good idea when you go home tonight to maybe like write your name on it somehow or something like that. Uh, it just might be helpful so that when you bring that backpack back next week, like, or I find it here in the J-High space, I know who to give it back to. Inside that launch kit is a next student's journal, some stickers. Uh, those stickers are for your water bottle, your laptop, your iPad, your journal. Uh, just don't tag any of the walls in the J-High space with those stickers. Uh, that would be annoying, even though it would look kind of cool. Uh, the reason I gave you a journal is because the way that I preach is like specifically for the person who loves to take notes. Uh, so if that's you and you're like, I love taking notes, uh, you now have a journal to take all of my sermon notes in uh, and it's, it's right there for you. Uh, you're gonna find uh, that it's a really easy process. Uh, sure, if you like use the notes app on your phone, that's great. If you use the Bible on your phone, that's fine. Uh, just make sure you're like actually on the Bible app and not, I don't know, on Clash of Clans or Snapchat or whatever else app you might be tempted to be on during my message. You clearly have a question. Oh, that's all right. If you didn't grab a launch kit on your way in, make sure you grab one on the way out. No worries. When we transition from worship to the message, this is a great time to grab your Bible if you have it. That physical copy, like I would prefer if you have a physical copy. If you're going to use your phone, totally cool. Totally, totally cool. Uh, Ethan. Can you hit mute on the left-right channel? It's the furthest right channel. Just because, actually, mute the comp channel, because I'm pretty sure that's the one that's ringing right now. So you see the green one says comp? Yeah, beauty. Thank you. Uh, we are going to, every single Wednesday night, open up God's Word. It's a thing that we do. So if you don't have a Bible that you like feel comfortable reading because the translation's weird or like whatever, like come see me. I will help you find a Bible that is readable for you because I want every single student at Next to have a Bible that they own, that they love, and that they want to read. And if you feel like you don't meet any of those criteria, come find me later. Uh, I will help you get one. And if you're just like, ah, I have a Bible, I just happen to forget it, and you want to grab one, uh, on the shelves by the front door, we have some Bibles. So feel free to snag one uh, at any point. We ready to jump in? Hi, Harper. Good to see you. Let's go. Anybody in here heard the story of the tortoise and the hare? Of course you have. Uh, everybody's heard of it. Uh, you know, rabbit races turtle, and some, somehow the, the turtle wins. It's a story that has a moral, right? A moral, like a point to it that's trying to teach you something. What is the moral of the tortoise and the hare? Just yell it out. Slow and steady wins the race, right? Like it's another way of saying if you go like slowly and carefully, you're going to end up better than someone who like rushes ahead recklessly, right? 
Has that moral ever helped you before? Has there ever been a situation where you're like, oh yeah, slow and steady wins the race. I'm going to use that. Okay. Some of you may be. I think maybe I could think of like one or two instances in my life where I like thought like, oh yeah, slow and steady wins the race. Like that's going to help me. Has that moral ever saved your life before? Probably not. Me neither. Right? I can't think of an instance where that moral would have ever saved my life. Can I tell you a story about a time where a story actually did save people's lives, though? So this is real, true, 100%. The country of Indonesia in the Indian Ocean, Southeast Asia, is the fourth largest country on planet Earth. It goes India, China, the United States, and then Indonesia. But the giant population of Indonesia is spread out over 17,000 islands. Some are really big, others are pretty small. And in an island, pretty small island, in this island chain called Indonesia, an island called Simalu, they had a tradition of telling stories. And a lot of the stories had the same moral, the same point behind it. And it basically boiled down to when you hear the ground shake and when the sea recedes from the seashore, run to the hills because the sea is coming back in a giant tidal wave called a tsunami. Exactly. Okay. A lot of stories that they would pass down from generation to generation had to deal with what to do if there was a tsunami. And so in 2004, a massive earthquake with an epicenter right off the coast of one of the biggest islands in Indonesia occurred. And it triggered a huge, like, multi-story, building-sized tidal wave that basically destroyed huge, huge portions of the entire country of Indonesia. Many islands just, like, completely swept away. 167,000 people died in that tsunami. On the island of Simalu, where they told the story, only seven people died. Only seven people died because they knew, even though none of them had ever been alive for a tsunami before, even though none of them had seen a wave of that size, they knew when the ground started to shake and the sea receded, get to high ground. It saved their lives. We've got a vision for what next J-High is going to look like. And it comes straight from Psalm 145, verse 4. So if you're a note taker, write Psalm 145, verse 4. It reads like this. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. Another way that you could translate that verse would be one generation will tell the story to the next. Tonight, my message is called, Who is Next? Who is next? Because I want to make sure that we are all on the same page. Night one, first best night of the week. I want to make sure we're all on the same page about what we're trying to do here. 
I want us to tell the story over and over and over again. Because if Wednesday nights are going to be the best night of the week, then you need to know how your story fits into the story. The things that God has done and is doing and is going to do in your life, how that story fits into the story that God has been writing since the beginning of time. So if you walk away with one thing tonight, like if you tune out after this, I just want you to hear this statement. Know the story, tell the story. Know the story, tell the story. So note takers, my first point tonight is this. It's really simple. It's that you have a story. You have a story. There's an author named Christopher Booker, and he wrote an entire book about how there's really only seven types of stories, like seven basic plots that every single story that we've ever heard, whether it's a book, a TV show, a movie, it all fits into kind of one of seven different patterns. There's Overcoming the monster, rags to riches, the quest, the voyage and the return, comedy, tragedy, and rebirth. That's it. He says there's only seven. So I figured we'd test it. Star Wars, overcoming the monster, right? Like the good guys set out to defeat the bad guys. Like that's the basic pattern. Cinderella, obviously, rags to riches, where the main character starts off with nothing, gains everything, loses it for a little bit, and then gets it back at the end, right? Rags to riches. Lord of the Rings, that's the quest, right? A group of people set out to go somewhere and do something, and they face all the challenges along the way. A lot of, like, romantic stories actually fall into comedy. Not because they're funny, because comedy doesn't necessarily mean funny. Comedy means, in the context of a story, it's confusing, and people don't really know what's going on, and there's mix-ups, and then some clarifying event happens, and then everybody lives happily ever after, right? That's a comedy. Uh, what about Hamilton? I know a lot of you know the music. Hamilton, tragedy. It's where the main character has this, like, fatal flaw, and that fatal flaw is their downfall. Like, it's the thing that, like, pulls them down. Beauty and the Beast, rebirth. The main character has to like change who they are and change their ways, and in doing so, they become better, right? So seven different types of stories, basically, is what this author is saying. Your story, it's where you came from, kind of where you're going, and all the things that are happening to you and around you along the way. And I think that certain seasons of your life fit into those different story patterns, maybe at different moments. Like maybe some days you're like, man, like my life is a joke. It's a comedy. And some days you're like, like this, I couldn't imagine a worse day. Like my life is a tragedy. Maybe there's long stretches where you feel like you're like fighting to overcome some type of monster. It makes me think of the Apostle Paul, and actually his story is written down in the Bible in Acts chapter 9. I'm not going to put it up on the screen, I'm just going to kind of summarize it, and a lot of you already know his story, right? The Apostle Paul hated 
followers of Jesus. He hated Jesus himself. He actually helped followers of Jesus get arrested, thrown in jail, and murdered. He hated Christians. But then as he was traveling to a city called Damascus, Jesus himself met Paul, encountered him on the road, interrupted his journey, and Paul was never the same afterwards. Paul actually went on to become the greatest missionary that the world has ever seen, taking the story to the entirety of the known world. It's like a true rebirth type story. And so like, take a second and think about your life right now, the season that you're in. What does your story look like? Are you facing down some incredible challenges at home right now? Are you wrestling with and maybe losing to like a fatal flaw, a sin struggle that looks like it's going to be your downfall? Does everything just seem confusing in your life right now and you're kind of just hoping that at the end of all of it, there's going to be like that happily ever after moment? I think that Jesus wants to break into your story just like he did for Paul. Maybe he already has, and like you've seen him show up in huge ways. Maybe you're on the fence about faith, you're not really sure about Jesus, and you don't even know why he'd want to be a part of your story at all. Your story is so important. But tonight I want to shift the focus a little bit. I want to shift the focus to the story. Because your story fits into the story, and it's the story that gives your story meaning. So if you're a note taker, my second point tonight is that your story fits into the story. When I say the story, I mean like the story. It's the story that God has been writing since the very dawn of time. It's the trajectory of the entire universe. It's the story that all of our stories fit into. And like I said, it's the one that gives your story meaning. And if the vision for next really is going to be that Psalm 145 verse, right? For one generation to tell the story to the next, then you need to know the story. Here we call it the gospel or good news, right? So when I talk about the story, like a synonym would be the gospel. I just mentioned how Paul went from murderer to missionary. So what I want to do now is I want to go read in the scriptures how he told the story, and interestingly enough, I actually have a Bible translation called The Story. So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you're newer to the Bible, it's in the New Testament. That's like the second half. The halves are uneven. And so if you flip kind of to like the back fourth of your Bible, uh, find the letter that Paul wrote to a church in Corinth called 1 Corinthians. We'll be picking up right away in chapter 15. When you get there, say, I'm there. 
good work. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, that's okay. It'll be up on the screen. Actually, let's pause. Important point. Here's why I want you to have a Bible in front of you. It's because I want you to make sure that when I read out of the Bible, what's actually in here is what's in here. There's different translations, and so the wording might be slightly different. But I think it's really wise and really noble of you if you kind of test and make sure like your pastor is actually reading God's word. The only way you're going to be able to do that is if you have it in front of you, right? So I want you to make sure whenever I open the Bible, you've got your Bible open so that we're making sure that what's in here is actually what's in here, right? So everybody got it? First Corinthians 15. If you don't, it's on the screen. So this is Paul writing, right? Murderer to missionary. This is how he tells the story. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one untimely born. That's how Paul tells the story, and in a nutshell, the story, the gospel, the good news, it's all about Jesus. The gospel actually makes all of our random stories make sense. The gospel helps us understand the trajectory that the universe is on. The gospel helps us make sense of like why I just can't seem to do the things that I want to do. The gospel helps us to hold on, especially when things get real dark. And it's all because we know that Jesus is the king who conquered death. So the thing I'm like most excited for in next this year is to watch. Like I get a front row seat as your life is changed by the story. Like if we do one thing this whole year, I want it to be that. I don't want to get over or past this. I don't want to see this as elementary or like the base level. Like this is it. This is, the gospel is the thing that matters. And if you let this good news change you, if you let Jesus interrupt your story, the next will truly be fulfilling its mission, that vision that I have of one generation telling the story to the next. And if you come to small groups on Sunday, we're going to practice telling the story to one another. If you come on a Wednesday and you hear me preach from God's word, I'm going to tell the story week after week after week. I want you to know the story, and I want you to tell the story. Because your story fits into the 
story. You know, for a little island in Indonesia, telling a story saved lives during a tsunami. For the Apostle Paul, Jesus interrupted his story and he became the greatest missionary ever, telling the story all over the world. And for me, when I was in middle school, when I was in this very room as a middle school student, I heard the story. And it was probably like the 187th time that someone had explained the gospel to me. I had just been so closed off and I didn't want to listen. I was so concerned with writing my own story. I wanted to be so popular at CMS that I like hurt so many people trying to climb the social ladder. I wanted to be the best athlete that I could and so I put everything that I had into training for football. I would walk into this room every single week wearing that mask, pretending I was some good church kid that I had my life figured out that nothing was wrong and I thought that nobody knew that outside of this place, my life was filled with anger and fear and anxiety and selfishness and addiction. But Jesus interrupted my story. The gospel, it, it, it finally broke through. So let me tell you the story that I heard sitting in this room. I heard a story about God, a God who created everything, every tree and blade of grass that we see outside, every star that dots the night sky. God made all of it, and most of all, God made humanity. He made each of us. And God wanted so badly to be in a relationship with the humans that he created because he loves us. But the first humans that God created, essentially they thought that they could be God better than God could be God. They rebelled against God. They became traitors against God. And every single human being since then, you, me, have participated in that rebellion. That's what we call sin. Sin is just rebellion against God. And the just punishment for a rebel, for a traitor, is death. That means that I deserve to die because I'm a rebel against God. But God loves me. God loves you way too much to let it stand like that. And so he himself, the God of the universe, the God that made everything, stepped out of heaven, became a human being exactly like you and me, except that he was perfect. He never sinned once. And even though Jesus, this perfect human who never sinned, was not a rebel or a traitor in any sense of the word. Even though it should have been me dying as a punishment for my sins, he took my place. And he died for me. But he didn't stay 
dead. That's what's so powerful about this story. That's the thing that finally broke through when I was an eighth grader sitting right here. Was that Jesus, he rose from the dead and he conquered sin and he conquered shame and he conquered death itself so that I could have a restored relationship with the God who loved me. A relationship that can start right now and last forever. That's the story. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the thing that makes your story make sense. It changed my life and it can change yours too. So I'm going to be done, but I want to leave us with one thing. If you already know that story and you're like, Danny, I've been following Jesus since I was like five years old at VBS, praise God. I want you to get so, so good and so, so confident at telling that story because you have friends that don't know it. You've got family that don't know it. You've got teammates and bandmates and people in like the play with you. Whatever your social sphere is, there are people that do not know that story and they need to. And if you don't know that story or you're someone who's like, ah, I still don't know what I think about Jesus, then my challenge to you is that you would keep coming back, you would keep asking questions. I promise you nothing is off limits. If you're curious about it, we'll talk about it here at J High. And I want you to keep coming back and keep hearing that story because it might take 187 times of you hearing that story just like it did for me. So give me the chance to keep telling you that story again and again and again and I'll answer any question you have along the way. So let's be done. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I love you. God, I'm so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful that it's true, and I'm so thankful that we get to open it together on a Wednesday night like tonight. God, I'm so thankful that you have given us a story that makes sense. All the things in our lives that keep going wrong, that are confusing, the challenges we have to overcome, God, all of it makes sense because of what you did for us on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. And God, if there is a student in this room who isn't quite sure about you, God, would they leave tonight with a little bit more knowledge? Would they leave tonight questioning? Would, they, would you not let them sleep tonight, Jesus, until they have kind of wrestled with the fact that you might just be king of the universe. And Jesus, would you keep bringing them back to hear the story again and again and again until it hits home? Jesus, I love you, and I'm so thankful that you've given us this time. I pray this in your name. Amen.